You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. That practice when we had fans was was great. Um, it was amazing to me to see the energy that the guys had just from a few thousand people up in the stands yelling and chanting. And um, we've been missing that. You know, we got such a great fan base, and, and we've been missing the energy that we can get as a team from fans when they're in the stadium. So I know we won't be full on Saturday, but it's going to be great to have some people back in there again. And, and you know, home field advantage we get at Memorial Stadium is significant if we have people there. So it's, it's great to see the start of that. The sense of urgency, a lot of times, feeds from the fans. You, see, you, you get the fans, you get the music pumping, um, they get your blood flowing a little bit. It's a little easier to get hyped up with your teammates. Um, it's a little hard when you got 30 fans in the stands with your, your parents. It's, it's kind of tough, but uh, I think a lot of that energy feeds from the fans, and it's great that we're going to have them back Saturday. I think we're all excited just to have you know, the Red Sea back. It's not going to be all of them. We know the rest of them will be there in spirit. I think our players are excited about that, and we definitely are too. Can't wait to see them. And welcome here to this pre-edition of the Nebraska Red-White Spring Game uh, show here. This is the Husker Line Show. I'm Sean Callahan uh, with Robin Washett and Nate Klaus. As you heard, Scott Frost, Austin Allen, and Tony Tuioti set the stage for Nebraska fans to be back in Memorial Stadium in large numbers for the first time since November, gentlemen, of 2019. Crazy. Not 2020. 2019. I mean, just when you think about that, you're just like, wow. I mean, because we had the practice a couple weeks ago where uh, 3,200 people were there, and that was big. Uh, but they're going to expect around 40,000. Um, I think you're going to get a late walk-up push. And by the way, you can buy tickets day of game at the game but there is a five dollar more charge so it's fifteen dollars um and i think it's 25 for the clubs but i would be shocked if there are any club seats available um on saturday morning so you can still come down here i mean it's gonna be mid 80 degrees here on saturday morning um chamber of commerce weather see a baseball game or two see a baseball game have a beer um it's gonna be this town is turning this weekend in my opinion the state's turning with the red white game the baseball, the Lincoln Marathon on Sunday. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for this weekend, guys. It's been a long time coming that there's actually been this much stuff and excitement and buzz People. going around the Hotel city. Hotel rooms. Yeah, I mean, this has been like some like desolate, like post-apocalyptic landscape for the <laughs> longest time where people are just like shut in, and now the weather's starting to turn. It was a long winter, a dark winter, and now we're back. We're back, baby. We're in, we're going to baseball games. We're going to football Six, 60, games. 100 we're going to spring games. Tailgating. The the bar patios are going to be packed, and uh, it's getting back to normal. Barry's is closed, by the way, so we won't we won't get the full rooftop feel of Barry's bar. Um, they they have not reopened over the pandemic. Yeah, I know that's that's disappointing. That rooftop is is one of the prime spots. But our buddy Ryan Funk that owns Gate Twenty Five and those guys, that place is going to be hopping um, down here in the rail yard, and the, these businesses need this weekend, Nate, more than anybody. Well, yeah, I mean. The, they need yeah they they need people coming out to to enjoy a few drinks enjoy some food and and to get out and and see some sports and and really just kind of be around people again I I just feel like like you said Robin it's it's everything has been kind of a cold dark you know holdover and it feels like this weekend is just uh, when when finally kind of a coming out party finally everyone's everything is aligned and and uh, you know the the weather is going to be great there's so many things to do. 
And, uh, you know, it's just going to be it's going to be pretty exciting. And we got a lot to delve into in this show. Uh, we're, we are going to talk more in depth about Thomas Fedoni's injury in our next segment. Um, if you didn't know, um, if you lived under a rock for the last day or two, uh, Thomas Fedoni is out with a major knee injury. Um, hope to get him back here sometime in the middle of the 21 season, which ideally maybe he could play a four-game redshirt, but we'll, we'll hit on that later in the show. Uh, the red-white spring game itself is going to be formatted like this. The starters are the upper unit players. I would guess ones and like twos are going to be on the field in the first half. There will be no to-the-ground tackling. It will be called what football coaches say is thud. Um, so the, they'll blow the plays dead before tackles are made. Then the second half is going to be lower units um, playing full live to the ground tackling, and and Coach Frost said this this week. He's like, look, this is not, you know, our, you know, we're, it's it, it's more showcase for the fans. I mean, they're not going to go out there and show a lot, um, but it's a cel- The spring game is what it is. It's a celebration of being a fan of Nebraska football. Well, especially this year in particular and what it, it's going to mean for those 40 or so thousand fans to come back to Memorial Stadium and watch Nebraska play football again in person. I mean, uh, like you said, it's the fact that it's been since 2019 since that's happened <clears throat> is insane. And there are so many people that um, this is going to be such a great return uh to to normalcy to uh their their normal fandom and and all that and and just the 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 celebration of of that event is going to be so much more important than anything that actually happens in the game like no one's going to care about adrian martinez's completion percentage or who has the most rushing yards as the four string running back like this is going to be a deal where yeah this is going to be a deal where you remember this game because it was the return to nebraska football the the gates were open COVID is done yeah i mean it's not done i didn't mean it was done (laughs) so i don't want to get any emails but we're how dare you we're turning a page yeah, yeah. I mean, like, we're, we're we're taking steps in the right direction. We're getting and this back is, to normal. This is a very big step. And you know, again, when you look back on this one, just being back in the stadium, fans being sitting together, watching Nebraska play football, even if it is a you know relatively meaningless scrimmage, it's going to be one of the more important spring games that certainly any of us have been a part of. Yeah, and not so much for what's happening on the field, but just for for fans. I mean, the opportunity to be able to go into Memorial Stadium and I'm assuming they're going to be able to to buy a Runza or a slice of Valentino's pizza. I mean, for a lot of people that that's not been a possibility for for a very very long time since going back to 2019 for some. And so, um yeah, it's it's the taking one one big giant leap towards getting back to normal. And um you know, it, I've been asked all week long, like, what are you going to be looking for? What What are you excited about, <laughs> you know, for the spring game this weekend? And and to me, it's it's about being at a sporting event, seeing you, seeing the fans. people, yeah. And I mean, it, it's I mean, of course, I'm going to be paying attention to what's happening on the field because that's that's our job. But I mean, more than anything, it's being around sports fans, being in, uh, you know, in a stadium watching a sporting event that has an actual crowd. Um, that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most. Yeah, I just still think about this season going to all the road games in, in Memorial Stadium and just how depressing it really yeah. was. Just like staff members letting off the balloons after touchdowns, like just <laughs> it was so well, like getting to like sad. Iowa City and like not one restaurant's open and mm-hmm. no one's out and about. I mean, it's just dead. It was it was like 
an apocalypse hit these Big Ten towns and there was like nobody there. And then all of a sudden there was a football game going on and you just walked into the stadium like it was like a normal day. Yeah, that first Nebraska home game was just the weirdest thing. You know, you're it's 45 minutes before kickoff and you're just walking down. Alone. Yeah, walking down Stadium Boulevard or whatever and uh, it's, it's empty. There's not a single vendor. There's not a single fan. And That bridge, we go underneath that bridge yeah. from the office and, and there's usually like – the blur party and all the other tailgates going on down there. And it, it was just like, a, it was like, it was a Tuesday in June, you know, like there was like nothing going on. Guys sitting under the bridge, reading a book or something. Yeah. And so the normal smells aren't, exactly, aren't there. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, just, and, and not only the game, but just like, think about what the, the, the campus and the city are going to be like with the tailgates and uh, people, you know, just doing their normal game day routine. That's going to be just as much fun as what happens in the game. And I, I hope they allow the tailgating. I mean, to it. I mean, I, I haven't heard any kind of like restriction. I feel like it's just kind of like a don't go there topic. Like yeah. they don't want to even try to enforce it because you're not going to be able to. Yeah, I mean, how how would you? I don't. And there's no way you're going to stop people from showing up and, and tailgating. I'm sure yeah. there's going to be people that start tailgating at six o'clock in the morning. You know, might as well uh, between. Yeah, between seeing tailgaters and and you know hearing the marching band, I mean, th- those are some of the things that I'm really looking forward to the most. All right. Well, when we come back, I promise we'll talk more about Thomas Fedoni, the offense, the running backs, the quarterbacks. We're going to close out um, offensive storylines here, um, heading into Saturday next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, Thomas is a super talented guy. Gosh, he cares as much as anybody out there. So uh, put those two things together and it's going to lead to good places. Um, he's a lot uh, like all the other freshmen that should still be in high school that are here right now. Uh, we threw a lot at him real quick and I think he was kind of swimming for a while trying to figure everything out. And his, his last two practices were really good practices. So again, was disappointed for him, but uh, he'll come back stronger. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Rob Wash, and Nate Klaus. This segment of the Husker Online Show brought to you by Tanner Sports Bar and Grill on 31st and Yankee Hill Road. I was in there Saturday, uh, caught a bit of the Nebraska baseball game, and it's just a great place to go to watch sports. They had the volleyball on in there, all the Nebraska baseball games. This weekend, they'll have the red-white spring game on at 1. It's also a great place to go after the spring game. Um, if, you wanna, if you don't get a ticket to go watch Nebraska baseball, go down to Tanner's on your drive back and watch the game as they will have it streaming on all of their TVs. That's Tanner Sports Bar, 31st and Yankee Hill Road. Rob and Nate, you heard Coach Frost there talk about Thomas Fedoni and and just the injury itself. And, and you feel for him, um, and this to me is one of those injuries, it's more the perception of the injury than the reality. Because the reality is Austin Allen's an NFL tight end, he's the starter. Travis Volkolek's probably an NFL tight end as well, and he's the number two. And Allen and, and um, Fedoni was going to be behind those guys, but have maybe a role in the team and learn from those guys. And now the hope is, could you get him back potentially for a four-game deal and play um, in 2021 here still? Which, you know, obviously is a possibility, but you're right. I mean, this is a guy that was the centerpiece of the 2021 class. I mean, they're talking about a borderline five-star five star player that, you know, Nebraska worked extremely hard to get, and he was um, bringing a lot of buzz and, you know, excitement to uh, the future of, of what they've been building on the recruiting front. And now, you know, he doesn't even make it through a full spring without blowing out his knee. You know, I mean, it's like the – 
the the I can't remember the the phrase, but if if something something could go bad, it will go bad for Nebraska. And Murphy's and law. Murphy's law. That's what I was thinking of. Yes, yeah, I mean that's that's another instance in this where Nebraska finally gets like this marquee level recruit and beats out the best of the best to get him. A couple months later, he's out with a knee injury. I mean, it's just it's one of those deals where as Nebraska fans, you just kind of throw your hands up and say, well, you know, add it to the list of uh, punches below the belt that we've endured over the years. Yeah, I feel terrible for Thomas. Um, you know, obviously, being able to get to know him throughout the recruiting process, I know how he's wired. And, and this is somebody, like Frost said in the open, like nobody cares more uh, than Thomas Fedoni. This, this is – I mean, he's a special individual – uh, supremely talented, you know, and I think that he was just starting to really kind of come into his own too, practicing at a high level and finally, you know, getting to understanding the, the offense and everything and, um, you know, just kind of starting to get comfortable, you know, being a college athlete and, and comfortable with the offense and everything. And then something like this happens and, uh, and, and no, no contact injury too. Uh, it's kind of salt in the wound. I mean, it's not even like you could blame it on, well, it's just a, um, you know, a random deal where he got rolled up on or something, but this is, you know, just, you just feel bad for the kid. So, um, but I know this, if, you know, if anyone can come back from it quickly, it's going to be Thomas Fedoni. I mean, the guy, no one will outwork this kid. Um, and so I would not bet against him being able to come back and, and at least see time in, in a game or two uh, towards the end of next season. I, I think that's with, with where they're at and being able to, uh, you know, to, to have these surgeries and, and to heal from them. I, I think that he's somebody who could definitely do that. You're listening here to the Husker Line Show as we talk other offensive storylines. Coach Frost addressed quarterbacks, um, said that Logan Smothers has come a long way with the reps. Heinrich Harburg is really talented. He was, quote, our favorite term, swimming in it. Um, but he is uh, now doing a lot better as well. Leads us to the next elephant in the room, finding that perfect transfer portal quarterback, which I think we've all kind of agreed on and off air. That guy just doesn't exist. I mean, it's like I want a guy that's good enough to start but knows he can't start because he's got to back up Adriana Martinez and be an insurance policy. Well, I think the reality is the guy that they would want, maybe like a Terry Wilson, doesn't exist. There, there, there just isn't the right type of transfer quarterback. So you, you get the sense today, unless a lot changes, they're riding with these guys they have right now and they're not going to pursue a transfer quarterback. Well, and I think that was something we talked about going into spring was, you know, whether they would go after a transfer would be determined on how well Logan Smothers, Heinrich Harburg, and, and the rest of that group played this spring. And from the sound of things, I think the staff has liked what they've done enough to feel relatively good about that position, or at least good enough to not think that taking a quarterback is an absolute must do. Uh, and, you know, especially with the situation they're in, there are so many different boxes you have to check to find the right guy to bring into this situation that, yeah, I mean, maybe that player somehow pops into the transfer portal as spring practices around the country start to wrap up. But right now it doesn't seem like he's out there. And if Nebraska were to go out and get a quarterback, they'd probably be forcing the issue a little bit. And when you force the issue, then you're opening up a whole bunch of other problems with drama and guys getting unhappy and, and all that stuff that would make things even worse in your current situation. Yeah, from my point of view, I think the, the only thing that would make sense right now um, you know, would be finding a quarterback that's got two or three years of eligibility remaining 
uh, that that maybe you know is a little bit of a head, a little bit ahead of a Logan Smothers or a Heinrich Harburg, uh, but then you're kind of throwing your your quarterback room out of whack. Um, you know when you combine what's already here along with maybe bringing in a new guy and then of course bringing in a, a 2022 signee and 2023 and so on and so forth. So. I mean, I would just at this at this point, I'd just be very surprised if if that quarterback existed, um, you know. And I think the staff does feel a lot more comfortable with what they're looking at with the number two situation right now than maybe they did when Luke McCaffrey initially decided to leave the program. And then finally, the running back position on Saturday. What are we going to see in this game? Uh, we know Marquis Step is out. Uh, we didn't get to see Gabe Irvin in the open practice. We have not seen Ramir Johnson um, in the chances we've been at practices this spring. Um, Sevian Morrison apparently had a concussion. He's now back, so we'll see him Saturday. But just the feel of that position, getting another look at Jacques Yant, uh, the two times we've seen him, I think everyone's like, wow, he's, he's impressed. Nate, you were in the group with Ryan Held on Wednesday. Any glowing takeaways uh, about this running back battle right now? Well, you know, first of all, Ryan Held and all the running backs have heard um, all the talk about this position group. You know, I think if there's one position group on the team that people have been kind of worried about or expressing concern about, it's been the running back position. And, and all those guys have heard it. And so, um, you know, they've kind of taken a Rocky Four mentality, Ryan Held said, where they know they, they've got to out-train everybody. They've got to eat better than everybody. They've got to do the work, um, you know, the, the, all the extra drill work and everything that's not necessarily required, but do all those little things to, to kind of raise their overall level of play. And, uh, you know, you wish that all those guys were healthy and able to go through spring all at the same time. But uh, for the spring game, at least, you know, you're going to see some some of Gabe Irvin, who has uh, his impressed uh, and who's really improved a lot according to Held. Um, you know, you've got Sevian Morrison back who uh, Held said may have the best vision of anybody in that room. Um, you know, and, and Marvin Scott has been maybe arguably the, the most consistent out of everybody. So I think we're going to get a good look at, at some of those guys and, um, and they're all hungry, you know, and Held said, ideally, I've got four running backs that we can rotate uh, with really a top two that are going to see the, the vast majority of those carries. I think the bigger question would be step what he's like when he comes back. Yeah. yeah. And what's, what's interesting, you know, about the format of the spring game is, you know, you have your, your top guys. Well, who is the top guy in that running back room? So I think all those players are going to get a substantial amount of work over the course of the game to where, you know, I mean, this is a real prove it moment for, for that group, especially considering how much time they've collectively missed over and spring. If you really don't have a great read, I think they would be doing themselves a disservice with the transfer portal and kind of elevating a guy or two right now over the others, because I still believe it is kind of a grab bag. And if you, if you say, well, we think these guys have emerged, it might lead some others to leave mm-hmm. before you really truly know kind of what you have. Well, especially with so many guys that haven't even had the opportunity to get on the field. I mean, we don't even know what Sevion Morrison looks like in a game setting and, you know, Gabe Irvin. So they, I think they still have plenty to work with. It's just a matter of getting them on the field to prove it. All right, we're going to talk defensive storylines next. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Oh, I expect to do a whole lot better because now I know the um, the system and how things run. I can just play, like actually just run to the ball, make plays. Last year I was playing like a robot, I would say, just trying to like actually like not mess up. But now I know the play so I can just run. And welcome back here to the Husker Online Show. Sean Callahan, Robin Washington, A. Klaus. That was outside linebacker Feldarius Payne, um, who 
I think of all the guys on defense, he could be the one name that makes the biggest jump from 20 to 21 just solely based on the time he's had in the system, the ability to train and get in shape. Because remember, he was coming off shoulder surgery, but he might be that elusive pass rusher, the fourth man that comes off the edge on defense they haven't had. And I mean, that that's one guy uh, of the guys we know all about that I'm intrigued to watch here on Saturday. Well, especially when you consider his path last year, I mean, he arrives and, uh, you know, he's a little underweight to begin with at a defensive end position and he has shoulder surgery to where he can, he said he could barely even lift uh, 95 pounds on bench. I mean, that's, that's 25 pounds on each side. And that was a struggle for him. That's how bad his shoulder was and how far uh, he had to go in terms of getting back into big 10 level strength. And, you know, then he got COVID and he missed a bunch of time uh, during the off season. So, I mean, he had a bunch of setbacks physically, that he had to overcome, and yet he still had a season with 21 tackles, two, a uh, couple tackles for loss, sack, couple pass breakup, and played all eight games. And so, I mean, he did uh, far beyond what anyone expected, especially considering uh, you know the the hurdles he had to overcome. So, yeah, I think that he is in prime position to be a fixture on that defense. And if you give him a full off season of being healthy and staying on track with his training and and, and conditioning and strength and all that, uh, I think that he's. Got got a much higher ceiling than what we've seen so far well like you said in the in the open there he was kind of acting or playing like a robot last year he he didn't feel necessarily feel comfortable with the defense you know he was thinking so much about what his responsibilities were and what his keys were so on and so forth I, I think we've really only started to get the a true glimpse of of uh you know Fidarius Payne the player towards the very, very end of last season. And so I think we're all, you know, maybe poised to see, you know, him take a massive jump forward now that he's comfortable with the defense, now that he's finally healthy and has overcome a lot of those hurdles that he dealt with last year. Um, you know, I, I think he'd be, he could be quite disruptive and, and really valuable for this defense. You guys, when you return 17 of your top 20 defenders and then you add Chris Kolarovic in that mix as well, um, it's hard for new names to emerge. But I'll tell you one Really interesting story and a guy that, that's emerged uh, that wasn't on the field last year is Colton Feast. Um, the walk-on out of UTAN, um, just right outside Omaha there. Um, he's put himself, at least this spring, um, on the back end of the defensive line rotation. He's probably the sixth guy, maybe the seventh guy when Ben Stilley's back. But that is, um, of all the stories, when you have such an established unit, I think that's one of the better stories just to see a kid that went in the old-fashioned walk-on program and he's put on the 30, 40 pounds and lifted and trained, and he's going to put himself to be a role player on this team possibly. Yeah, I mean, another guy who's the definition of what the Nebraska walk-on program is all about, where you know he came in with very little recruiting acclaim and yet just worked hard and got himself bigger, stronger, uh, you know, committed himself to learning the defense, and every opportunity he got in practice, and especially in a defensive line where reps come at such a premium with so as much depth as they have at that position, uh, every opportunity he got, he maximized it. That's one of the things Tony Tuioti said this week was, you know, he's was so consistent and played at such a high level in every chance that he got that he fully trusts, uh, you know, Colton Feast to do what he's supposed to do. And that's why, you know, as a, a sophomore walk-on from UTAN, he is now in the top six over scholarship players. Uh, and that's a full credit to him and the work he's put in. Well, I think a lot of people probably don't realize that this is a player that was playing the state championship game as a senior, as a linebacker. 
Uh, and he's made the transition to being a defensive end in the Big Ten. Um, you know, he's completely changed his body, has had to learn a new position, has had to learn, you know, with playing playing with his hand in the ground and, and not, you know, not being a linebacker off the line of scrimmage. I mean, he's had to learn and adjust an awful lot. And for him to have done that in two years and, and be in the, the top six and be in a rotation, I mean, it's, that's pretty darn impressive. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Jack Gangwish. Jack Gangwish yeah. was a middle linebacker at Wood River. Um, which it's now Wood River Shelton, I believe, um, for our Carney in Central. By the way, we found out we've got a lot of loyal listeners, Nate, in Central Nebraska in the yep. Holdridge, Kearney, Grand Island area on Fridays that pick us up there on ESPN Radio. But reminds me of, of that guy because Gangwish came in as we – I think we all agreed in the Shrine Bowl, like, well, he can't be a linebacker at Nebraska, but he grew into a D lineman. And, and Colton Feast is the same way. That's what the the walk on program at Nebraska. It's not necessarily to find quarterbacks to start or running backs to start. It's to find the guards, the centers, the tight ends, the defensive linemen like this. Um, maybe a nickel type corner guy. You don't typically find you know your pass rushers and your tackles and your quarterbacks and running backs, but. Guys like Colton Feast is what the walk-on program should hopefully produce every once in a while. Absolutely, because you got dudes that have all this untapped potential that might not have been in a program where not only do they get the exposure, but just the, the resources in order to you know really take that next step you know, as an athlete. Now Colton Feast, is, he's listed at 280 pounds. You're talking about a kid that a couple of years ago was playing linebacker. You know I mean? So that shows that, you know, if you have the right mindset and you find a, a new niche that you can make uh, your, your name at, you're going to have an opportunity. And um, Colton Feast is another name to put on the poster board of, of what being uh, the opportunities being a walk-on in Nebraska can provide. Yeah. And I think that's, it kind of goes to show what what the walk-on program is about. It's not necessarily, like you said, finding a ready-made player. It's it's how well can you project what a guy could potentially be down the road, what he could grow into, um, you know, and, and getting him in the program, getting him to buy into uh, making that change from being a linebacker to being a defensive end and, and adding a bunch of weight to his body and, and learning that new position and, and everything. So, um, you know, that's somebody who's totally bought in and, and is really sacrificed and done everything for the team. And now it's uh, it's about time for that to, to all pay off for him. And I know we're on defense, but I want to hit on special teams because it does involve a lot of defensive guys. Do you think we'll see much live special teams work that wasn't really addressed? I mean, I, I got to think they're going to want Daniel Cherney to get out there and punt. Yeah. And by the way, is William Pristip like, I mean, has anyone heard his name no, mentioned once? I have no. not. Okay, I'm just, I'm just making sure I'm on the same page here because, I mean – he was the punter last year, I know. but I think the conversation is obviously all around Daniel Cherney at this point. Yeah, I would imagine. I mean, I know in years past they've done it where they do like the full-on punt return team, but there's no return. They just fair catch it. And so that, that could be a deal where you do the full-on punt, guys run down the field to cover the punt, but there's no return. So that, that yeah. would that'd be my guess. I mean, if, if the first half of the game is going to be thud up, yeah, if you're not even tackling, if you're not taking people down on the ground, we're not going to see full out yeah. kickoff and kickoff, you know, kickoff cover and no wedge busters. No, <laughs> no. Uh, so, and, and, and you know what? I mean, if that's, then that's fine. I mean, I don't know. I, I was a little disappointed with the format. I thought it's wooden swords in the first half yeah. and full swords in the second half. Yeah. Once, yeah. Once, <laughs> once the first and second stringers, you know, Get get their time in the in the sun, you know. Then the, then the gloves come off. I, whatever. I I don't know. But I mean, they, it's definitely something that they need to work on. I'd be very shocked if if we didn't see them at least 
practice that in some sort of way. I want to see Cherney punt live. Well, yeah, I mean, sure I, do. I do. I I saw the YouTube video, and then once he committed in Nebraska, they they Nebraska told him to take down that video. <laughs> and I mean, his hang time was like ridiculous yeah, was on these crazy. punts. Yeah, and especially coming off that injury, you know, you just got to wonder where where he is physically. All reports are, you know, from his teammates and coaches that he's doing well, but. You know, that's that's a big injury to come back off of, especially with your first introduction into American football. Well, we know that he's got the athleticism. He's got the ability. Uh, but can he harness that all and, and kind of put it together for, you know, American and, and, football? And understanding the game. I mean, that's yeah. that's a thing that apparently has been an issue for him over the past year. Not so much now compared to where he first arrived, but, you know, having a, a sense of the game and down and distance and you know, knowing where to punt and how to punt uh, against a return and, and those types of things. It's not just rearing back and, and booting a ball downfield. He's a pro- I mean, people forget, though, he, he's a professional athlete. Mm-hmm. He, he was in a minor league mm-hmm. So it's Australian just, it's just rule, Australian rules football organization. He got to what would be equivalent of AAA, one step below the pro team, and then gave that up to pursue college football. So it's not like he's just some guy they found that was living in the dorms that could punt. I mean, <laughs> he he was a professional athlete just in a different sport. And like Mike Dawson said, we coach him like a linebacker. He wants to be coached like a linebacker, not a punter. Um, because he, he he's he's looking forward to a chance to make a tackle on a punt. I mean, well, yeah, he's. I mean, that's what he's used to. That's what he's kind of used to doing. And now he gets from, to put pads on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and never wore a helmet or pads necessarily. So, yeah, it's it's a unique dynamic. But uh, you know, we've seen these types of guys be successful at other schools, and and uh, I mean, there's clearly there's a reason why Nebraska went out and got him and gave him a scholarship without ever really, you know, physically seeing him in person or having him work out, you know, on campus here at, at a kicking camp. I mean, um, you know, he, he, he's got all the tools, but can he put it all together is, is the question. All right, when we come back, we're going to have a mailbag here this week as we head into the spring game. We'll take some questions. Uh, we'll hit on basketball, too, and one of our questions as Robin Washett was down all weekend in lovely Hutchinson, Kansas, covering the National Junior College Basketball Tournament. So uh, we'll get a take on that as well. You're listening here to the Husker Online Show. This is Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. We've had a physical spring. Uh, we needed it. We haven't had a real spring ball in two years, and we need to make up for some lost ground. So we've had a physical spring. I've asked a lot of the guys, and they've given it to us. We've had, I think, a couple times up to 43 guys on our injury list with anything, everything from a couple big ones to tweaks and sprains and bumps and bruises. Uh, so we're a little beat up, but we expected that with the type of spring that we had. Uh, we're going to have uh, a full game with two teams. Uh, first half is going to be thud, and we're going to let a lot of the old guys play. Uh, second half, we're going to leave a lot of the young guys out there, and the second half is going to be live and tackled to the ground. So that, that's kind of the format we landed on. It's going to give us a chance to get some more work out of our veterans and, and then get some live reps for our young guys. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show. That was head coach Scott Frost addressing the format and what he's expecting out of Saturday's red-white spring game. It's a 1 o'clock kick on the Big Ten Network, and uh, still some tickets available. Um, you can buy them day of game as well, and they'll – Technically can allow just over 42,000 at least um, is what they've shot for. I think they could go over that number um, now that the DHM in Lincoln is at 75%. Uh, Haymarket Park is going to do 75%, which is 6,100 for their series versus Rutgers. But I uh, want to get in the mailbag, Robin. My first question out of the mailbag, it's a personal question from Sean and Lincoln. Okay. Um, regarding the um, Junior College National Basketball Tournament, 
you spent a lot of time in Hutchinson, Kansas. Sure and you got did. to know the lay of the land down there. Um, watched, what, four games down there or three? Uh, four. Five. Five games yeah, in the went, national tournament. Went down on Monday for the opening round and then came back when uh, both of Nebraska's um, commits or signees uh, were playing uh, in the semifinal round, and then I stayed for the national championship. So, so you'll be in four. the next last chance you. I think so, yeah, yeah. And you know what? That was my first taste of that junior college tournament, and I've heard from a lot of people – that have covered that, that talk about how cool of an event it is. And I could see that it was different this year, obviously, you know, there was still some of the lingering COVID stuff. So I don't think it was as well attended as maybe it normally would be, but um, you know, especially that championship game, it was two Kansas schools, Coffeyville and Cowley from the, the Jayhawk conference. And there was a good crowd there with, you know, students that showed up. And so it had a, had a fun atmosphere and, you know, it was, a, it was a fun experience, a lot better than, Maybe I expected going into it, but, you know, to sum it up, uh, you know, got to see Kisi Tomonaga, the 2021 signee play twice and the kids, a score shooter, first and foremost, uh, range legitimate from 26, 27 feet. If he wants, uh, size is going to be an issue for him. I saw him get his shot blocked a little bit, but, uh, he's a better passer than I expected. And next season I could see him being a guy that, uh, is, off the bench could provide a spark offensively and if nothing else space the floor a little bit and then blaze Kata, the 2022 commit for coffeeville they won the national championship and in that national championship game he played by far the best game of his junior college career with 27 points nine rebounds four blocks and really kind of dominated the game and he got better every game that i watched him play and you know when you look ahead with another year to develop his game um, at junior college before arriving at nebraska in 22 he could be a really nice find that uh, could end up being a real steal in the 22 class do does nebraska need to worry about not having his signature now that he's rated yeah. a four-star just got bumped up he just got bumped to a four-star he can't sign until november but Poaching isn't nearly as prevalent in basketball as it is with football. I mean, so I'm sure that schools will call, but the relationship he has with Fred Hoiberg, Matt Abdomasi is a big reason why I picked Nebraska. And so I don't see that changing. And I wouldn't worry too much about that. So situation. he'll play a whole nother year, this Juco. Yeah. So right now he's 21 years old and he's got another year of junior college because <laughs> wow. he, he was a member of the what, 2018 or 19 a 21 class. year old made in the Juco ranks. And then, then he took a post-grad <laughs> year. And then he took uh, this season at junior college and have another season at junior college. So when he arrives at Nebraska, he'll be a 23 year old sophomore. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, 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 like I said, there's a lot to like there and you know, he's going to get bigger and stronger legit and six ten. legit six ten. Wow. He's two thirty five now. And I imagine he'll put on some more weight to where he could add another 10 to 15 pounds onto that frame. All right. I want to get on the next question. And it was a good thought here. This offensive line right now for Nebraska is the most athletic potentially since when? And I was thinking about this, and I thought, you know, the underrated line for me is Mike Riley's first line when it had Alex um, Alex, Lewis, Alex Lewis, who ended up being multi-year starter in the NFL, Zach Stirrup, who played and started in the NFL as a guard and a tackle both, and then you had Nick Gates in his best year at Nebraska before um, he met Derek Barnes. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, he's a center now. There's a reason he's not a tackle. Yeah. But, I mean, th that was a sneaky good line that year. I mean, they, they can move people that season with those three guys. Um, but then before that, I, I thought maybe the Quali, Searles, mm. Andrew Rodriguez group. I mean, Spencer Long. Ryan, Ryan Reeves. By the way, I've seen Ryan Reeves like 
he's one of those guys that's like 225 now. I mean, the, the old joke, Nate, you either go one of two ways as a yep. former lineman in Nebraska. <laughs> either all the muscle and all that mass either melts off or it, it turns. Mother genetics take over at that turns, point. Either, either, either you eat like fat. a normal person or you keep eating like you're, you got the training table. Yeah. <laughs> one of those two. But, yeah, that, that was the one, the first one that came to my mind was that the – you know that that bow year in like the 2012 13 range where you know they had Spencer Long yeah I forgot about him yeah I mean he's probably yeah. one of the best out of all of them he's like but an yeah. all-american yeah, I mean all but American. you think about the, the the recruiting profile Rodriguez had Ryan Reeves with had it not been for injuries he would have been really good um you know and then obviously Searles NFL uh Spencer Long NFL Zach Stirrup NFL so I mean they, they had a really good group uh that I don't think got enough praise for for how good it actually was well yeah and, and I think this offensive line at least from an athletic profile stacks up pretty well with with that group I mean I think I think there's quality depth and the athleticism the size and athleticism across the board on this uh, Nebraska offensive line is as good as it's been you know going back all the way back to to that group so what you're talking six seven years so yeah I think that's encouraging definitely encouraging to, to think about all right, Nate, recruiting question here. Um, will Nebraska get the full allotment of 56 plus 6, the carryovers, on official visits? Does it really even matter? I mean, is, I mean, does anybody even come close to using 62 visits? I mean, Nebraska's come on a coaching change year maybe. Yeah. But it's pretty, if, if you're bringing 62 guys on the campus, that's – that's a problem, generally. Yeah. So yeah, the only time the only time the any coaching staff really, especially Nebraska, comes close to using sixty two is when there's a coaching change. Well, yeah, Mike Riley kind of blew them all out yeah. yep. um, on the in season. They got fired, and then Frost had to come up and. They, so generally, depending on how many get used during the regular season of a coaching change. Um, you know, the, the new coach, that new staff can get extra official visits. And I think Frost, when they came in, they were like one or two visits away from getting those bonus <laughs> visits. And so they had to be super selective with who they brought in and, and close at an extremely high rate that year. Uh, and, and they virtually, I mean, they pretty much maxed out uh, all their official visits that year. So I don't think that's going to be an issue this year. I don't think it will uh, will really matter. Uh, but, no, I mean, the NCAA is not – they're not allowing – or they're not giving extra official visits. It's it's business as normal. Once, you know, once June 1st hits and that recruiting dead period is over with, all the all the, the same rules that have applied in the past go back into effect. And that includes 56 official visits and um, – and, and, and I'm sure there are those – if you didn't use – I don't know for a fact if it goes back to, to 2019. I would think it probably would, depending on how many you, you used that year. But Nebraska will have 56 plus 6, but they won't, they won't come close to using all of them. You know, one of the new rules, Nate, I think of all the changes they made with June 1st that's, that's completely new is anybody that comes on campus now for an unofficial visit in June is able to be worked out for an hour. Yeah. So you almost don't even have to pay to go to a camp. Um, and you, you seven days a week you can come and visit of this in, in the camp period or whatever it would be, and then that last week of July as well, and you could almost have a tryout type workout um, for an hour with the coaching staff. Yeah, and, and that's that is one of the the new rules that I, I think you know was 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 necessary. I mean, the, this 2021, 2022. You take away all class, the evaluation time. Yeah. Um, the coaches have not been able to properly evaluate, and the, and the recruits themselves have not had the opportunity to be seen. And so, I, I, I mean, I think that is important um, and something that the NCAA got right there. 
All right, when we come back, we're going to close the show. There's a large list of visitors, at least people that have bought tickets to the spring game that actually have a recruiting interest in Nebraska. We'll get Nate Klaus's thoughts on those visitors that will be in town next. You're listening to the Husker Online Show. You're listening to the Husker Online Show, your authority on Nebraska athletics. Yeah, strange times. There's not a lot we can do. Uh, we want to get as many recruits to Lincoln, Nebraska, as we possibly can. Said to the bunch, but when we get people here, we got a great chance of getting them. And um, spring game gives them a chance to come see the atmosphere and see town. Wish we could do more with them, but uh, can't do anything with kids that come to town until June. And we're back here on the Husker Online Show, final segment of the show. Sean Callahan, Nate Klaus, talking spring game and recruiting. And this has really been the start of Nebraska recruiting every every year since 2004, uh, when Bill Callahan and Tim Cassidy and Steve Peterson decided to make the spring game what it became and what it is now, and that's a celebration of fans and getting recruits here to get a leg up and, and, and jumpstart things. And Nebraska will have either the most or the second most fans of any spring game. I think Alabama might have had 47,000. So they'll once again, Nate, be able to make a statement this weekend. Um, I mean, you look at the list of confirmed names we have right now with offers, and it's pushing 20 – uh, prospects. I think there's going to be at least what we've confirmed, uh, 18, 19 kids, at least as of now, that have Husker offers that have bought a ticket that will be in the stands to watch the spring game, uh, but they can't be talked to by Nebraska's coaches or anything. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a uh, you know, your typical spring game visit where they're coming in a couple hours before kickoff and you know taking the tour of the facilities and maybe hearing a, a speech from the strength conditioning coaches or you know uh, getting the the spiel of uh, you know from the equipment managers you know what type of gear the guys get and so the on big and so barbecue afterwards yeah and then the barbecue afterwards it's I mean they they're essentially no different than any other fan that's going to be in the in the stadium and. Um, you know, the, and there's pros and cons to that. Obviously, I, I think, um, like Frost said in the open, anytime you can get kids on campus, you've got to you increase your chance of eventually landing them. But you know, you also are losing out on, on an opportunity or don't have the opportunity to have that face-to-face interaction. And Ryan Held said, you know, on Wednesday that they can't even really look into the stands and, and wave at guys. They, I mean, they they are they got to play it pretty close to the vest, which um, is nuts. It, it, and it is it is kind of ridiculous. But I know compliance, NCAA. I mean, they're they're watching this you know pretty closely uh, across the board. It's not just at Nebraska. It's it's pretty much everywhere. So, uh, but the good news is. Is, is yeah there's going to be close to 20 kids uh you know with offers already in, in attendance and that's from the 2022 class 2023 2024 and um and you know there's probably going to be an extra 20 to 40 additional players that nebraska is actively recruiting that don't yet have offers uh between those classes that that make their way to lincoln too so um when you really think about it you kind of step back and look at the big picture i mean that's that's quite the accomplishment that you that you've got. You know, probably probably going to have about sixty plus recruits in the stands that have all paid their own way to bought their own tickets. You know, generally the university or the you know football uh, coaches would be able to give a recruit uh, a free ticket plus two free tickets for in a section in a, in a in a roped off section specifically for recruits and. Um, you know, kind of cater everything towards them. Now you might be in the nosebleed section in North Stadium yeah. next to Jim from Scott's Bluff. Exactly. You know, I mean, yeah, no one knows where, where these guys are going to be necessarily. So but. if you're in the game Saturday as a fan and you sit by someone that looks like a recruit, it's probably a recruit. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, it probably is. And, um, you know, and, and so I, I think that's, that's uh, you know, a good opportunity, though, for, for these kids to, to see, kind of get a feel for what, you know, Nebraska fans are all about and get a, maybe get just a glimpse of what an actual game day might be like because these are all players that have not – really, most of them probably haven't had the opportunity to, to go to a, a game or a spring game as, a, as a, a recruit before. And so, I mean, this is a huge opportunity for the Huskers, and, and I, I do think that, um, you know, we're going to hear some glowing – reports uh from a lot of these guys that you know that you know it was amazing how many players or how many fans were out uh, in the stands and and they like this and that and whatever and you know there's a lot of guys out there that are interested they just want to get confirmation uh, you know that everything they've been hearing from the coaches is real and and i think this weekend is a step in that direction well nate one quarterback that we know is going to be here at least uh, two quarterbacks one for 22 MJ Morris, the four-star rivals, top 250 out of Atlanta, Georgia. He just was named uh, the quarterback MVP at the camp in Atlanta. Did he make the challenge? Do we know? Or? I don't know if he's made the challenge yet or not. But, uh, but yeah, he had a strong showing there, apparently. And then uh, Reese Mooney for 2023. So you are going to arguably have maybe your top 22 and your top 23 um, quarterbacks. I, I think the 22 is a debate still who your number yeah. one guy is. Um, but – uh, Richard Torres as well um, could be here. We don't know for sure if he's going to be here. Yeah, he's taking his official visit the first weekend in June. Um, you know, and, and he had planned on being here in attendance uh, for the spring game uh, this weekend. But I know that's that's more that's kind of up in the air now. Um, you know, the, but the important one for the, for Richard Torres is that he's locked in his official visit already. Whereas MJ Morris, the four star out of Atlanta, he has yet to lock in his official visit. So. Um, you know, you're if you're Nebraska, you're hoping that the visit goes well enough this weekend to where that leads to an official visit down the road from MJ Morris. But to have you know two to three of your top quarterback targets between 2022 and 2023, um, you know, on campus in attendance, you know, really on on their own dime, um, you know, I think is is showing that you're in you're in a pretty good spot here. Um, you know, and I know that's one position that people have kind of been panicking about. You know. Who, who are they going to get? When are they going to get them? Uh, and I think that, you know, I think that this weekend will go a long way into in eventually securing a commitment for, for a quarterback for 22 and 23. And the, one of the later names that announced he's coming to the spring game um, is Quentin Conley from Kansas City. Um, he announced on Twitter, and originally we didn't think he was going to make it, uh, but he said Memorial Stadium, Lincoln, Nebraska, spring game. Um, so that will be interesting. Um, he's a top Kansas City player that will be in town. Yeah, and Quentin Conley, you know, even though that a lot, there's a lot of recruits in this class that really haven't experienced the, the recruiting process, Quentin Conley is not one of those guys. He, he's been to probably three or four Nebraska games in the past. Um, he's been to – the spring game back in 2019, I believe. Um, it, and he's somebody that this staff has been recruiting for an awful long time. He's 6'4", 210, 215-pound uh, wide receiver. There are some schools that are recruiting him as a tight end, but the Huskers like him as a wide receiver. And uh, he's got a great relationship with Ryan Held. And, you know, probably one of those guys, you know, if, if you kind of you kind of uh, held my foot to the fire and said, okay, who's somebody who could potentially make a decision either this weekend or shortly thereafter, I would probably say Quentin Conley could could be, you know, one of those names you throw in that category as far as somebody who could make a decision sooner rather than later uh, in Nebraska's favor. 
And I know Nate, um, he's technically not the highest ranked guy, but I feel like the want list guy that a lot of Nebraska fans, there's always a couple that you, you kind of attach your, your hat to. Uh, uh, Jaron Koenig out of Hayes, Kansas, um, who's run the fastest 100-meter dash in the state of Nebraska yeah. this year of any athlete. I believe, I believe he's 10 sixes right yeah, now. 10 six, and that was the first track meet of the year. In March. Yeah, in March, early March when, when he ran that, uh, or late March when he ran that. And Yeah, he's going to be uh, you know in town along with his teammate Gavin Myers, who's a linebacker out of Hayes, and um, yeah, but in Koenig, you know, he's also another one of those guys that's already uh, scheduled his official visit for the month of June and just a really dynamic athlete. You know, we talked about the 10, 600 meters. He's somebody who could play wide receiver um, or, or linebacker. And they're recruiting him for both sides of the football. Um, could be, re, you know, he's so athletic. There's not too often you see uh, somebody that's got that type of versatility where they could play wide receiver or linebacker, but he's six two, two ten. Kind of reminds me of a Nate Gary type of guy, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. So Isaac Gifford to an extent, but yeah, more Nate Gary, yeah, I would say. Yeah, and so uh, when you've got a player like that in a border state, you know, and, and you know within driving distance like Hayes, Kansas is, I think it's that's somebody you really got to go all out and, and see if you can get him in the class. Well, it's going to be a busy weekend. Baseball, we'll have you covered on that as well as the red-white spring game and then plenty of post-recruiting coverage. You're going to log on to HuskerOnline.com. Our entire team is going to be working hard uh, to get the reaction of the recruits on how the visit went. And obviously, we'll have full breakdown and video reaction of the spring game. So make sure you log on to HuskerOnline.com. Thanks again for joining us this week on Husker Online, your authority on Nebraska athletics. 